Good morning. We're talking jobs on Connecting Winnipeg today, at least to start we are. The staffing shortage continues. The head of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce joins us in just a couple of minutes. First of all, summer jobs for students. And our question of the day at CGOB.com relates to that. We'll get to that in a second as well. But first of all, here is Global News reporter Rosanna Hempel. Melissa Schlichting has been working in food service for most of her career. But since the pandemic, this manager says fewer applicants are signing up to work the Gold Eyes ballpark. And among the students and youth who do, job flexibility is a top demand. Gone are the days where we hire someone and expect them to work every game. Between accommodating family, recreation and vacation commitments, and despite offering more scheduling options, Schlichting says it's a challenge to find enough seasonal staff. We're having to hire more people who are working fewer hours, and hopefully at the end of the day we just have enough to get through. (laughs) Over at summer camps, the workforce also hasn't reached pre-pandemic levels. The Manitoba Camping Association says positions that require certifications like cooks and lifeguards have become harder to fill. I know that some of those camps that are, are suffering are suffering in a big way for finding a lot of their staff and have had to like pare down either what the activities are that they're going to offer or how many of these activities they're going to offer. Chuck Davidson with the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce says overall hospitality and tourism related sectors continue to face the biggest labor gaps. Going forward, he says they're working to pinpoint why young people are leaving Manitoba. What we're really trying to get a handle on is why are they leaving? Is it for opportunities in other jurisdictions? For Schlichting, she'll be busy recruiting summer long to keep fans happy in the stands, cheering on their team. Rosanna Hempel, Global News. Thank you, Rosanna. And kind of a fun question of the day at cjoby.com, I guess. That's a good way to describe it. Did you enjoy your first summer job? Half of you right now, about half of you voting, yeah, loved it. Uh, 41% say you tolerated it, and 9% say you hated it. Go and vote at cjob.com. Send me a text, 780-6868. Tell me about your first job. Emails to hal at cjob.com. And maybe we'll open the phones on this in the next segment. But joining us now, the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, Lauren Remillar. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Hal. What was your first summer job, by the way, as a student? Oh, wow. Uh, I believe it was picking up golf balls at a, a golf range. And uh, and then the next summer I was working at Grand Prix Amusements. Uh, and uh, cool. I quite thoroughly enjoyed my <laughs> Yeah, I think the first job, before we get into the serious stuff here, I think the first job, I'm surprised it's not higher than half voting that they loved it at CGOB.com because usually that first job, it gives you some some money to spend, it gives you some independence that usually by that age you've been yearning for, Uh, so I'm surprised that number's not higher. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think for me it was, wow, I've got my own money and I don't Mm. need to rely on my parents, so, but... Times change. Yeah, sure. Boy, have do they ever and have they ever. Uh, you heard Chuck Davidson, your counterpart at the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, in that story say hospitality uh, is an area that is really being hit hard. Would you agree with that? It is, but overall, 
you know, what we're seeing, we have to kind of set the context. Right now, overall unemployment in Manitoba is 4.8%. This is one of the lowest in the country. On top of that, we have a youth unemployment rate of 10.1%, which is below the national average of close to 11%. This gives you an idea that we just, across the board, we have a very tight labor market. And then, but there's hope, there's optimism. We're seeing significant employment growth. Uh, Last month, we saw 8,200 jobs added or employment jobs filled in Manitoba, driven by the retail sector, 4,300 jobs, and then accommodation and food services, 3,800 jobs were filled. This is the third increase in the last four months. So we're seeing progress, but there's such a a large gap to fill. Uh, It is causing significant concerns in, in those sectors and across the board. Thanks for sharing that data. The numbers are interesting, but obviously I'm starting my show talking about jobs and, you know, to some degree, summer jobs for students because everybody I talk to says it's an issue, whether it's a parent trying to find a job for their kid or whether it's an employer looking for a good employee. Uh, We talked uh, recently about state interviews. You know, employers are even going so far as to interview current employees that they like, that they hope they can hang on to. What more can we do to keep you here and and keep you happy? This is an issue that gets a lot of talk. It is. And, you know, I think the gold eyes individual hit the nail on the head from when I'm talking to employers is that flexibility. When I was doing summer jobs while I was in high school and university, I mean, I wanted to work as much as I could because I needed to save up as much as I could for my studies. I think today you're seeing and I'm not categorizing everyone across the board, but it's a different need with the employees today in in looking for summer jobs. They do want greater flexibility. They want the ability to take part in a family vacation or to be able to take some time off on certain weekends to be able to do certain activities. It's not just all about working as much as you can to save up as much as you can. So the needs of your prospective employees are changing and employers are trying to do the best they can to adapt. And what we heard one solution is, instead of trying to ask someone to work full-time in the summer, we're gonna hire three people to fill that full-time job. Therein lies perhaps the biggest challenge is instead of just trying to find one person, now you have to find three to meet the needs of one position. Mm -hmm. Which can be a pain for an employer, but it comes with benefits too, right? I mean, hiring part-time employees might save that employer um, you know, some of the things that come with being a full perks that come with being a full-time employee. I think sometimes Lauren, it's a generational thing, right? We've got employers and business owners out there that are older when they got their first job and tried to enter the workforce. It was all about, um, working full-time working as much as you can. Uh, and we talk so much now about work-life balance. Are we surprised that younger people are saying, yeah, that's a hell of a good idea. That's what I'm looking for in a job. Well, exactly. And it's not just in summer, in summer employment. I mean, as an employer myself, when I, when I'm attracting or recruiting employees to the chamber, I mean, that is definitely something you're talking about remote work. You know, what are the vacation offerings? People want to know more than just how much are you going to pay me? I want to know what the full package is. And so we shouldn't be surprised that that has permeated into summer employment. Yes, it's for a short period of time, but my needs are still the same. I still need flexibility. So employers have been dealing with multiple generations in the workplace, multiple approaches to how we work, what we're looking for. 
And so we're adapting, we're, we're changing and doing the best we can, but, but it's a struggle. It's, it's very difficult and uh, many are having to make changes to their business model to accommodate. Mm-hmm. Do you see a light at the end of the tunnel uh, for employers, business owners, your members trying to fill these job vacancies they have? I do. One of the things we also need to remember in terms of the context of how we got to where we are today is that for two years during the pandemic, we had zero immigration to Canada. We know the numbers. Manitoba is reliant on international immigration to keep our population growing. Without that, we were either staying the same population or we're contracting slightly. So for two years, we weren't getting that replenishment, if you will, within the labour pool we're starting to see, you know, the impacts of that. And I do think in time, as Canada has already indicated, we're going to increase our immigration, immigration levels. I think there's hope for employers at the, as we start to see more and more new Canadians arrive to meet some of those needs that they have. Um, I mean, have to be optimistic. And again, business is also changing their business models. We're seeing more self-checkouts at retail as a great example of, I can't find someone to work the cash register I'll, I'll move to self-checkouts. Mm-hmm. One more thing I wanted to ask you about before I let you go is, mm-hmm. you know, in order to be uh, a worker at a city waiting pool, uh, you, you might, you know, you, you need a lifeguard certification or to work in the food industry, you need your food handlers. Should business and even government be doing more to make sure that people get these certifications or special qualifications would that go a long way i think to filling some of these openings in in jobs it would help you always have to take a look at what are the barriers between me getting this person from a candidate to an employee and if certifications are a barrier you have to say how do i reduce that barrier do i pay do i uh, put them in a position for a while while they're an apprentice until they get their certificate and then move them into that position. Again, this is the creativity that employers have to be employing, have to be thinking, using, if they're going to be able to fill those those needs. And I will say, I know a lot of people say, well, just pay people more. Last month, the hourly wage growth was 15%. Employers are paying they know that if they don't, they're never going to find the employees. Many are paying well above the minimum requirement. Uh, they are doing everything they can, and uh, you know, it's, it's just a difficult market right now. Lauren, thanks for getting us going here today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Al. Getting some excellent, excellent text messages and emails on your first job, your first summer job as a kid, as a student, and we'll get to some of those in 15 minutes. Paul Edmonds, CGOB's Voice of the Jets. Today's Jets report. Is the sting easing a little bit now, having lost to the Vegas Golden Knights as they go on to win the whole thing. Hmm? Jets fans, let me know about that. 780-6868 or Hal at cjlb.com. Some other stories that caught my eye coming up here as well. Let's bring in my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson. Now, Bruce, good morning. Good morning. What was your first job? I know I've asked you this before, but I can't remember what your first job was. Yeah, it was the summer of 79. It was a place where we were picking up garbage, stuff like that. But the, the boss was, well, I can't describe him on the radio. Let's put it that way. I didn't enjoy that very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a boss can, uh, a less than perfect boss 
can kind of ruin not just your first job, but but any job. That's for sure. Absolutely. Hey, I wanted to bring you on uh, today because some of the other forecasters that we talked to here at CGOB are saying that we could experience, and, and I was out for a little bit yesterday, and it was really smoky. I was surprised at how smoky it was yesterday. And we, as you just heard Sarah mention in the forecast, we've got some local smoke again today. Um, is this something that we could see sort of throughout the summer, depending on how bad the wildfires continue to be? And, and also, are the uh, atmospheric conditions, the weather conditions, right for smoke to be an issue throughout the summer? It's going to depend. Uh, tomorrow, especially, we'll be ahead of this little cold front that's coming through. It's, smoke will probably get worse tonight and tomorrow, and then it clears up maybe a little bit on Friday, Saturday behind the system. And as we have fronts coming through over the next few weeks, a little front will come through and disturbs the atmosphere, but also moves the direction of the wind. So then you clear out for a while, but then it comes back. And then it's also going to depend on how bad the fires are, because it's still bad up there and there's still that low pressure area in southern california that's blocking the high that's keeping us warm and dry and they're they're really un, really un, upset about the clouds and and drizzle and fog and you know sloppy wood that they don't normally get this time of year so it's uh, it's warm here it's cool there once that breaks down it may help the wildfire situation because you know maybe that will make it where they'll have more seasonable weather up where they're having the fires, that would be nice. But we'll have to see and, and see how this pattern develops and if it finally breaks up. Yeah, Anthony Farnell, uh, Global's meteorologist, uh, chief meteorologist, was saying that we're sort of in a in a heat dome situation right now for the next 10 days or, or two weeks uh, where, you know, these wildfires might likely get worse in other provinces and start to get bad here because we've got this heat dome. That's sort of a, a new term that got started, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, but I don't know I don't know if you would describe it as a heat dome or not. But technically, well, it's technically a big area of high pressure, and it gets hot simply because it's fair weather, and it's settled, and uh, so if you could call it a heat dome, yeah, that's what it is, and it's going to keep it warmer and drier underneath that dome, you know, that where it has its influence until it goes away. And, again, this hopefully this blocking pattern will break up. Then that may break up and be gone, and then we don't have that problem anymore for a while. Mm-hmm. I just got a text message from John. Thanks for the pictures, John, at 780-6868. Uh, pictures of the sunrise at about 545 this morning in Lorette, Manitoba, and you know, with all the smoke in the air, it often at times, the sun looks like a big orange beach ball. It's weird. Yeah, it does. It, it, it makes some really good pictures. It goes back, I, I remember when Mount St. Helens blew in 1980, and there right. were some tremendous sunsets because of it. Yeah, I was in southern Alberta when that happened, and I mean, it was like, shoveling snow all the ash we got there and i guess you guys uh, in this part of the country would have got ash as well but i was of course a young guy in in southern alberta at that point hey bruce thanks a lot we'll we'll keep talking about uh you know the smoke i think as the wildfires continue to burn and and the weather conditions are sort of perfect for it and uh as you said it might get even smokier tonight and then continue to be very smoky around here tomorrow thanks a lot sure i'll talk to you later All right, my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson.
just a second, we're going to bring in Christine Malott. Christine Malott is a, a Winnipeg High School teacher and an Anishinaabe educator, and she's heading to Toronto on Saturday. She's part of a curriculum called Your Voice is Power, and it's really cool. And so we'll talk to Christine in a second. Um, while Christine waits, I want to make sure I get to a couple more text messages and emails about your first job, and I'm, I'm getting so many of these, and thank you for them. I'm, I'm really enjoying reading them. This one just came in at 780-6868. Hal, my first job was when I was 15. I was the dishwasher server at Steve and Nick's, the old diner that was right beside the drive-in, used to watch the movies from the parking lot after my shift. Uh, Kevin says, my first summer job, Hal, was with my grandmother at Dutch Made Ice Cream on Osborne, serving ice cream to people, loved it. Yeah, that'd be a great first job, Kevin. Although he had somebody earlier saying he was a Dickie D ice cream driver and hated it. Uh, oh, here's, actually, isn't that funny? I just mentioned Dickie D. Here's another one. Mark says, Hal, my first job was Dickie D, pedaling hard on Keniston. Hit the curb, the bike flipped, ice cream all over the road. Oh, my. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, and David Hal, my first job, summer job at the marina, uh, just south of Thompson. Loved it. Minus the heat stroke I got. I was 15 going into high school. Uh, got to be outside. It was an amazing summer. Nice. Love it. And, and a couple others that are from earlier in the show, and I want to make sure I get these in too. Uh, JT says, how my first job after grad, 50 feet of tunneling, six feet deep under the deck, 33 years later, still doing it. Oh, boy. Wow. Well, you must love it, JT. Nancy, first job in 1974, how Lake Winnipeg was flooding. The province paid for shoring up the lakefront. My sister and I and our cottage friends worked making sandbags in Donater and White Wold. My mom would ride down the sand pile, ride down to the sand pile and bring us Kool-Aid on our breaks. Lunch break, we went swimming across the road at the pier in White Wold. Best job ever. Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Yeah. Well, that pier in White Wold is one of my, one of my favorite places, actually. Tyler Hal. Um, loved my first job. I was a water tank cleaner in Charleswood. Cool. Gail, one more final one, and then we'll we'll move on here. Uh, but again, I, I appreciate all the text messages and emails on this. And it's our question of the day. How much did you love your first job, your first summer job as a kid at CGOB.com? Gail says, babysitting five kids at the age of 12. Oh, boy. that that Five kids, that's a handful for anybody, let alone a 12-year-old. My first real job, though, Hal, was at the convention center at the age of 15. I liked it a lot, and we met several famous people. Uh, including one of the characters from Barney Miller, the old TV show. So, again, thank you very much for the text messages and emails. I really, truly do appreciate it. And uh, I did get somebody else talking about uh, the waiting pools, saying that um, when they don't have, and I don't know if this is true, but we're going to get more on the waiting pools today as we go along on the other shows, but the person said that um, they, it was either they or their kid works at the waiting pool, city waiting pools, and if they don't have at least two people, so if they're short staff, well, then the, the waiting pool just doesn't open. But as our friend Fabian told us earlier, uh, the way, the West Broadway waiting pool last season was not open enough in his opinion, and, and I agree with Fabian. I think it should definitely be 
a priority. No question about it. All right, joining us now, Christine Malott. Christine is a high school teacher at the U of W Collegiate. She teaches grades 9 to 12, including a class on truth and reconciliation. Christine, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. So on Saturday, you're going to Toronto to take part in a hackathon. Tell me about Your Voice is Power. Yeah, so Your Voice is Power is an initiative between Amazon Future Engineer, Amazon Music, and Taking It Global. And basically, Amazon Future Engineer is the nonprofit branch of Amazon, and it's a computer science and STEM education program that hopes to inspire students to uh, take up an interest in computer science and coding. And so together, we developed this Your Voice is Power program, which is a hip-hop coding program that promotes equity. So typically, um, the program is available for free online at www.yourvoiceispower.ca. And if a teacher or student is engaging in the program, typically they would do maybe one module a week. There's eight modules, which is about eight to ten hours of learning. Um, however, for this hackathon, we are actually doing all modules in one day. So wow. it's an intensive day of learning from about 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. But what a cool way for these kids to build really valuable coding skills. Yeah, that's my favorite part of the program is, I mean, hip-hop is such a popular music genre amongst youth. And so to be able to use hip-hop and music as a way to teach students to code, I think that's just such an awesome part of the program. And they're going to be remixing music from Indigenous artists. Tell us about that part of it. Yeah, so we had three Indigenous artist partners for the first year of the program. Uh, Samyon is um, an Indigenous artist from a small community in Quebec. Uh, Dakota Bear is from Saskatoon, and Jay Lee Wolf is uh, out of Toronto. And so uh, these three artists have gave the EarSketch platform, which is the coding platform that was developed for this program, uh, permission to use some of their songs and sound clips so that students can uh, code these sound clips into a new remixed song that they create. Hmm. But you do get into some pretty heavy subjects here, don't you? Yeah, so all while doing this, students also learn about topics such as injustice and oppression, and students learn about the residential school system, they learn about the 60s scoop, and eventually they choose one of the 94 calls to action uh, to raise awareness about through their, through their music. And there aren't a lot of Indigenous people working in science and technology and engineering and math, are there? Right. Um, a 2019 report from Ryerson University stated that only 1.39% of Canada's technology workforce uh, includes people who identify as Indigenous. So that was another um, huge goal of the program, is to get Indigenous students engaged and interested and really see themselves as potentially being coders or being involved in the technology workforce in Canada. Mm -hmm. And Christine, with this curriculum, Your Voice is Power, you know, you're going to this hackathon in Toronto, which is happening on Saturday, which is very cool. Where do you want this curriculum to go? I mean, it feels to me like the sky is kind of the limit here. Yeah, I mean, I just hope to raise awareness so that teachers know that this program is available for free online. Any teacher can visit our website. They don't even need to make an account to access anything. All of the modules are on the website. 
And it's really for teachers who may not have any prior experience of coding. When I first started this program, I didn't even know what coding was. And uh, obviously, I learned and I was able to take that learning and, and hopefully help teachers see that uh, this is something that anyone can do in their classroom. Christine, best of luck in Toronto. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much. Christine Malat, high school teacher here in Winnipeg, Anishinaabe educator going to Toronto on Saturday to work with kids there with the Your Voice is Power curriculum. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.